his brief directorial career, Tate Taylor has brought us three very different films requiring three very different soundscapes. There's his Oscar-nominated civil rights drama, The Help, set in his hometown of Jackson, Mississippi. I've drafted the Home Health Sanitation Initiative. The what? A bill that requires every white home to have a separate bathroom for the help. Maybe we should just build you a bathroom outside, Haley. Then came the James Brown biopic, Get On Up, with track after glorious track from the godfather of soul. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four. Can't play that like you told us. Doesn't work musically. Now we have his take on Paula Hawkins' international bestseller, The Girl on the Train, a psychological thriller featuring suitably claustrophobic sonic undertones. Why are you here? Because I'm afraid of myself. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, a podcast released every Friday in which we celebrate music on screen. Now, Tate joins an illustrious list of filmmakers to have joined us since we started this show a couple of months ago, including Ben Wheatley, Todd Phillips, David Ayer, Todd Sullins and John Favreau. And he's a fine addition to the roster. Aside from the fact all his work has been well-received by audiences and critics, he's also collaborated with two of the best composers in the business, in Thomas Newman and Danny Elfman. More on both of them shortly, as well as plenty of James Brown. But we began by discussing how his roots in the deep south of America has influenced him as a director. Kate, welcome to Soundtracking. I want to start by saying congratulations on your new film, Girl on the Train. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Thank you. We'll get onto that in a second. But what I find incredibly exciting about you as a filmmaker is that each new film is is, is kind of almost like a different chapter in your development as a filmmaker. I feel everything's different and you Mm -hmm. learn something new about about you as a filmmaker. Is that a conscious thing for you or is it just a wonderful, happy accident? No, it's both. As a filmmaker and or anybody in any form of the arts, you don't want to get pigeonholed or stuck in, in, in as being considered this one guy for this one thing. And you want to grow. You want to expand your horizons and, and flex muscles that you haven't used before. Uh, the Help was obviously a very personal movie that I made because I had to. I, I, I had lived in that world and I, and I wanted to share it with the world outside of the South. Get On Up was an amazing opportunity to tell yet another Southern story.
I grew up loving James Brown. Uh, as Southerners, we like to hold up people that are our own. <laughs> yeah. But I loved his survival story, and it almost became, it, for me, it was a movie about a man with the world against him and with incredible odds, found fame and fortune and became a voice of a generation. And it, oh yeah, he also could sing. It wasn't so much about the music, but to learn about rhythm. And I discovered I'm very much a white man. <laughs> but to work with Chadwick Boseman and Akman Jones, who's our choreographer, and to learn that world. Yeah. When you learn about music and dance, it affects your storytelling. So then that was fantastic, and then came The Girl on the Train. Then came The Girl on the and Train. And the genre of a thriller, which I had not done, mm. and I thought this is so exciting. What I loved about this film is that it, while it is in the thriller category, it's an in-depth study of character and addiction yeah. and loss. And there's just few opportunities for a straight, straight genre film to have those elements as well. Do you know what I think it, it's, as well is that there are few opportunities, I think, in film for actors to really get into a role go for and it. really go for it she did and did she, she they all did. they all did yeah. the casting is, is oh, precise did. and perfect they embody those characters Emily I mean I'm a huge fan but she's fantastic in this film. So yeah, we, we met in London, gosh, it was only 16 months ago I met her and said, you want to do this movie? Wow. And here we are. And she <laughs> You're goes, a fast you, worker. I go, she, I go, how do you see Rachel? And I said, well, look, I want us to go for it. And I said, our Rachel might be the Rachel who, at the end of a train platform, is urinating because she is so drunk. And she goes, let's do it. We That's actually, me. We actually filmed it. <laughs> Believe it or not, Emily was so bold, but it just didn't work in the movie. But that'll tell you what we wow. were willing to do. But I think when you go to that place yeah. and you even go as far as to shoot a scene like that, while it doesn't make into the movie, it's the pulse of the character. Let's talk a little bit about the music because you work with Danny Elfman on this this, mm -hmm. this score and 
each character almost has their theme tune, you know, as part of the score as well, which I think is a wonderful, not an expose on the character, but it almost tells you more than words could about mm -hmm. a lot of the characters. Megan's theme tune in particular, you know, I think the words that I wrote down for Megan's theme tune were sadness, uh, but with energy. beautifully done it is and I, I listened to the soundtrack as a piece of music you know from start to finish and it really stands on its own as a wonderful piece of art. Danny was fantastic I'd never worked with Danny before and his name of course came up as it does on any film and, and I talked to Danny on the phone and he basically said look I know you think of Danny Elfman you think of the Danny Elfman thing I, he goes but I'd never really gotten the opportunity to do something like this and that's what's exciting for me. I said, I don't want a big, lush, stringy score. And he goes, I agree with you. And he said, I, I, this needs to be a electronic often and I said well this will be an experiment for both of us and that's what made it so fun was I was with Danny and we were just experimenting with different sounds and and, and just like you said he would I would say this is emotionally how I want her theme to feel and we just had an amazing amazing experience working on this together Let's just go for it. As you know, a lot of the sounds are quite severe and, and, yeah. and creepy and unsettling. Yeah. And the instrumentation that he brought to it, I, I, I think, is, is so fresh and, and so cool. And I was really proud to work with him. point do you start talking to him about music with this particular film? Was it pre-shoot? Was it during heard, shoot? He heard my temp and often a composer's worst nightmare is the temp that the director has chosen. Mm -hmm. So when he saw my movie, The Work in Progress with the temp, I thought that was what was going to make him turn away. <laughs> and he goes, I embrace your temp. He goes, it needs to be a lot of electronic and a lot of weird instrumentation. And and that's, that's how the conversation yeah. I had early talked about started. 
And then um, it involved a weekly trip. We were doing post in New York. I would get on a plane on Sunday, fly to his studio in LA, and we would play for two wonderful days, and then he'd send me back, and then I'd come back and hear it again. Amazing. Yeah. case of with with Danny where he wanted to challenge himself with with the project that was the reason that you wanted to go with him then absolutely to have a master to be honest with you and say people do not come to me for these type of films they want the Danny Elfman thing which I can do but really look at his work in yeah. Oingo Boingo and he was great and a lot of people will know about Oingo Boingo they don't I think I, I think you'll be surprised many people don't know about Oingo Boingo that's Danny Elfman Okay, people go back and listen <laughs> to this stuff. It's genius. This is not the first time you tried to get away. This is not a party for people know you name. This is not a classroom with teacher at the board. This is not a cat show with prizes at the door. Go, don't you go. Won't you stay with me one more day? working as a band? Do they ever perform live? I'd they like... are performing at the Hollywood Bowl Halloween this year, and I'm going. <laughs> he told me, he goes, I'm petrified. <laughs> there are parts of my voice that I have not used since then, and he goes, those were really bleeping hard songs <laughs> to sing, and I've got to, so he's, he's, he's doing it though. That's I amazing. I want to be there, I'm excited. Get On Up. I had the pleasure of speaking to your producer for Get Up, Mr. Mick Jagger. When you work alongside someone like that on a project about an icon like James Brown, you're starting from a good place. What's lovely about Mick is, I'll never forget, I hosted a little small cocktail party once we got the green light for Get On Up, and I invited Mick and my little duplex and not the most fashionable part of Los Angeles, <laughs> and I invited him and Mick showed up, and he hung with my friends, and we broke bread, and had drink together and he was just a great guy. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up like a sex machine. Get on up. Chadwick is phenomenal in this role. I mean, incredible. How easy or hard was it for him to become James Brown? Because he does, but he also very much brings his own thing to it as well. Absolutely. Which is so important. It's about the skill, it's about the craft, it's about the essence of the character. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up, like a sex machine. Get on up, the feeling. Get on up, sure as your bone. Get on up. Right on, 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 right on,
James Brown, I said, I need someone who understands the soil of the South. Chadwick is from Anderson, South Carolina. And I need someone with charisma. Chadwick is quite charismatic. <laughs> so when I chased Chadwick to do this and he avoided me like the plague, and his answer was, it's not so much that I don't think I can do it, I just don't know if it should even be done. Get up, get on up, get up. So I struck a deal with him. I said, here's the deal. Why don't we just take it one step at a time? Let's do a screen test for you and me, not the studio. Because if you suck, I'm not going forward. <laughs> and if you think you suck, yeah. then it's over. I'm back. Get up off of that thing. A great bit of trust, yeah. and in one week, Chadwick is not a trained dancer or singer. So, for a screen test, he spent four days with our choreographer and voice coach just for a screen test. And in four days, we were all blown away. And then he had eight weeks to prepare for his first day of filming. What? I got it. Doesn't seem long. He's an amazing talent. dancer singer I mean that just seems mind-boggling became possessed and did his work often people forget actors can be naturally talented but if you're doing your job properly it's a lot of work when you're using those tracks of an icon or someone like James Brown I'm assuming that you record them in studio I mean how did it work for that no, particular film did, how did you um, do it there's certain singers that you need to hear their voice yeah James Brown is unique. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a specific voice. I mean, Sissy Spacek was great with Loretta Lynn because it falls into yeah. that genre of country music. But we realized that audiences wanted to see James. I got something to tell me what to do. You're so good. I want to jump up you. I got soul. And I'm super bad. Have the 
personality of Chadwick be so different than James Brown mm -hmm. and try to have Chadwick sing, it might just be too much. So, you know, because we went from 1933 to 1996. <laughs> so it was like you only had eight concerts. So Mick was great working with him on picking the songs that we should have represent James. Come on! Chadwick sang along with the masters. Yeah. Because he had to sing the songs full out or it would look like this. Yeah, yeah. So Chadwick was singing his butt off. <laughs> and then we kind of melded the two. which I absolutely loved. Such a great film. Thank you. Features my favourite Dylan song of all time. Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby. Even you don't know by now. And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby. It'll never do somehow. When your rooster crows at the break of dawn. Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right how did you put together all that and decide on those I was those specific much more involved and... in that. Mm. Just my editor, Hughes Winborn, and I, during my director's cut, selected a lot of those songs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you select songs from popular culture, they can be quite expensive. <laughs> are unobtainable or the studio will kill you because they don't want it <laughs> but everything was embraced as the powers that be thought the movie might be successful the hardest one to get though believe it or not was little drummer boy oh wow Really? Hard song to get. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was the one. Celia Foote's walking into the benefit ball. I just loved the <laughs> drums of Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> and they came back saying, this is really hard. This is really expensive. I go, what? We got Dylan? And they're like, yeah, you sure you want Little Drummer Boy? I'm like, yes, get it. Well, I would have thought Ray Charles or something probably would have been a bit more expensive right. than no, that. No, yeah. it was Little Drummer Boy. Oh, 
Are there songs on there that you have a connection with and that you wanted to be part of? Oh, the well, story? yeah, absolutely, Jackson. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. We've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. I'm going to Jackson, I'm going to mess around. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson. Look out, Jackson Town. That's my hometown, Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, there are those out there that know the exact release date of that film. <laughs> and that song was released technically 10 months after this story. I go, I do not care. I'm opening my movie with Jackson. And I loved it. And Thomas Newman as the composer on that oh, film as well. Don't even get me started. Oh, he's just wonderful. You know you love a composer when you often, when I'm writing screenplays, I have his soundtracks oh, wow. and scores playing in the background. of what he does with the piano and, and the themes he brought to the help were just amazing. I tempted the help with all Thomas and then I asked to meet him hoping he would do it. He jumped on board. <laughs> with him on the help you say you used some of his previous work as the temp score but what were the conversations that you had with him with regards to what you wanted and, and needed him to bring to the well what was great about Tom and what he allowed me to do and I I was nervous when I met with Danny for the first time it was the same conversation I said I love music I don't have the vocabulary that you have and they say just tell us what you want to feel I said, I want to feel like right now that Abilene has just made a bunch of food for a group of people and she went out to invite them in that she came in the back door and a bunch of cats have taken the food away. That's what I want this to feel like.
and then you feel insecure. Speaking that way to such great composers is Danny and Tom, but they love that. They're like, the worst thing is these directors that come in speaking in all this flowery musical terms, trying to show that they know all this stuff, and then I have to waste two days showing them that they're wrong, and then you come in with a cat taking a chicken out the back door and say, make that work. It's the best. They love it. I love that. It's such a great story. That's wonderful when you admire someone so much and, and it's reciprocated. Yeah, although on the help, he did an hour and 10 minutes of composition and then on Get On Up, he goes, uh, you realize this is a music movie and I think it was 21 minutes is all <laughs> there was room for. We had fun. music when you're writing? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not always composition from yeah. films. There's, there's songs, there's feelings. Uh, the Cowboy Junkies, I've always loved. guys a lot of times when I write just to kind of set a, set a mood. Yeah. I go to those a lot. I wanted to mention briefly, if that's all right, uh, Charlotte, your DOP as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the film just looks... You don't say her name properly. Do I not? Sorry. It's so hard. Is it? I'm so sorry. Even when she tells me to repeat it, I asked her if I could call her Charlie, and she said yes, but we <laughs> call her Charlotte. Charlotta. Charlotta. Yes. There we go. What an incredible job. Oh, I mean, beautiful. What we were talking about earlier, about the opportunity that actors have to actually act in mm -hmm. films, and that's something that you do, and you have done, you know, I think... In terms of, of where Emma Stone's gone since the help mm -hmm. as well, I think so much of that is down to what you allowed her to do in that film. 
but the way that Emily is kind of brought out of the screen mm -hmm. almost and you can see the emotions from the close-ups mm -hmm. and all that, it's so fantastic. Yeah, Charlotta did an amazing job and speaking to the witch, I let my actors act. Emily has said, Tate doesn't put you in a straight jacket. I, and as I said, with all my crew, I let people do their jobs. And Charlotte and I had a lot of in-depth conversation about the emotions I wanted to feel. Mm -hmm. I didn't bring the, the cat taking the chicken into the storylines with her. But <laughs> but that's I talk about emotion and feeling and story. And, and she just really, really took the ball and ran with it. And, and we did some wonderfully daring, cool camera work. I just told her, I said, this has to feel claustrophobic and that we're in these women's head the whole time which as far as camera work goes throws out your, your traditional dolly tracking shots and your masters that's that's not what this needed to be and, and her work in the hunt was just so beautiful when we were looking for a DP she hadn't done much I've been there I still haven't done much but <laughs> she was the right person at the right time and she just did beautiful work love about this as well you know this is a book that so many people around the world know and love and enjoyed reading millions of people but you embraced it and and you've taken it and made it your I hate saying that phrase made it your own but you really have and that's down to so many little elements I think as well that as a whole it just feels like something brand new was that easy that. to achieve well this may sound arrogant but I don't mean it that way I, I can't help it if I can't make something my own then I won't be good at it. That's what excited me about doing this type of movie and this thriller, in quotes, is I saw my way in through personal experience and pain a lot, you know, with a lot of the women in my life around me, my mother, and, and I've been touched by addiction as many people have in this world. And through the heart was my portal into this movie. We're all in that portal with you. Oh, it's, well, thank you. It's great. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate Absolute it. Pleasure. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. And this chicken story will forever haunt me. From the Girl on the Train, that's Danny Elfman's main title music, grounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director Tate Taylor. My thanks to Tate for taking the time to talk to us. The Girl on the Train is on general release around the world now, with Danny's score available on Sony Classical. Now, obviously not all the tracks we played during the interview are name-checked, even though they all relate to the discussion. But if you hear something you like and you want to know what it is, head to edithbowman.com to find a link to our dedicated Spotify page, where the music is listed in the order it appears. 
My website is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK, where there are plenty of prizes up for grabs. We've got an array of great guests lined up in the coming weeks, including Ron Howard and Matt Whitecross. Next up, though, is Andrea Arnold, whose latest film, American Honey, has a fantastically rich soundtrack, encompassing the full spectrum of genres. I look forward to the pleasure of your company then.